we just have a good rhythm together, you know. I, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it. Hello, and welcome to the worst idea of all time, Smoker's Lounge Edition. Episode 41, uh, with Guy Montgomery and Tim Betts. You're in the Smoker's Lounge, welcome, let me take your coat. Yeah, uh, please find yourself a comfortable velvet chair and uh, order from our extensive list of cocktails as we show you only the best of times. Can I get you a uh, cognac? Sorry, let me let me say that again. Can I get you a cognac? <laughs> no, no, the first one. <laughs> cognac? Yeah. We're still in New Zealand after all. Yeah, it's true. Uh, truth be told, everyone, it's been a weird old watch. <laughs> Started individually, came together, not in unison, and then sort of steadied the ship. Halfway through the movie, we decided instead of watching the movie to watch the introductions to uh, God of War, God of War, called? the Lord, Nick Cage Lord. movie, Lord of War, maybe. Yeah. And then you showed me the fantastic intro to The Watchmen. Yeah, man. And then, thing kicks. then we sort of went back to the movie and watched it through to the end. Uh, and then we've probably spent <laughs> the last 40 minutes just playing different banging songs and watching it. Uh, Watching the movie with all the audio pulled down and just, you know, rescoring it. Yeah. And it turns out the main problem with Sex and the City, the movie, <laughs> is the dialogue, the story, and the soundtrack. But yeah. the acting, editing, and camera Fine. work, it's all good. It's all serviceable. We've been on quite a journey. Um, Pink Floyd got a look in. Yeah. Uh, CCR's made an appearance. Randy Newman. Um, Nina Simone. Obviously, yes. the music of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. <laughs> Queen. We've heard from Meatloaf. Van Morrison. Van Morrison and Them was a real good one. Um, I think the classical is a good buzz, though. Certainly for recording. Yeah. It's lending a real sense of urgency to what is otherwise a pretty pedestrian conversation. But that's the beauty of music. And can I recommend this? If you've never tried it, why don't you try singing music while being stoned on the on the drug marijuana. You should do this. Listen to what the man says. He's not lying. I'm not lying. I offered Tim $50 today to never talk to me again. <laughs> the money t- is still on the table. He put it under the laptop, dangling a little honey trap for me the whole time. I said, guy, it is, it is worth more money to me for us to keep talking. He said, well, I'm just going to put it here. And it's been visible the whole time. Yeah. And long, long... There is a spectre. A spectre haunting Timbo. And it's that... F- $50 note. It's got uh, Sir Aparana Nata on the... That's what we call that. You call it a Benjamin. We call it an Aparata. And on the flip side, uh, blue meanies. A couple yeah. of psychedelic mushrooms. And a Coca-Cola. It's pretty weird. So, someone told me it's a lie, but I don't believe them. I choose to believe Jeremy Wells, who put me onto the fact that on the 50 in New Zealand, we've got the illicit, illegal drug... Magic mushrooms. Fuck, it's good, eh? Yeah. We're a cool country, and we are cool boys. Tim, you're looking fantastic. Thanks. So I love you. the color scheme of your outfit. Uh, how conscious are you of the colors you're choosing when you dress yourself in the morning? Um, somewhat. I would say somewhat. I we- like this yellow T-shirt I've got because it's bright. I like to have a little bit of color somewhere. You know? Where does it weigh on your consideration to wear that sort of uh, army green jacket over the yellow T-shirt? Uh, it was washing day today, so the options become slightly more haunches. limited. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it works. I like these jeans. These are good jeans. Would you think less of me if I told you I was on the third cycle of a pair of socks? Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
There's Fresh no... undies, old socks. Man, you... The Guy Montgomery story. Yeah, I think in terms of a priority list, like underwear, it's non-negotiable. Socks. Or is it? What are you... Cause... I know, no, I'm big on fresh undies. Yeah. I... To be honest, the laundry's just been mounting. Yeah, but, it's know, just a situation where you've been caught on the hop. Yeah, absolutely. How does it feel to be wearing three-day-old socks? Does it matter at all? Yeah. Not, oh, no, no. When you put them on, you're like, this doesn't feel right. But once you're out of the house, how, I mean, you know, it's like driving a new car off the lot. Once it's off the lot, it's not new anymore. Once old socks are out of the house, they're not old anymore. They're just socks. They're just socks. It's at not that a point. new car. It's just wearing. a car. That's very true. And if you've, I think the better quality the sock, the the these are the some high quality woolen socks. Then you could, then you're probably fine for and three they, days. They're not. They don't. I mean, obviously, all socks retain some sort of odor, but these yeah. are, you know, um, uh, like tramping big thick woolen socks that you wear. I'll, I'll go in for a, you know, like a four-day tramp, and I can sometimes get away with just those. If you leave them out at night so they can dry normally, you hang them inside out. That's you. And there's a lot of sweating going on on those walks, man. Yeah. Fuck, I love a hike. You walk fast. Fuck, I love a hike, man. I don't like any of these characters. Mm-hmm. The Sex and the City movie is playing um, just in the background as well, so you know. What's playing not so quietly is, I think, still Mozart. No, who are yes. we dealing with now? And uh, what we're what we're watching, what we're being treated to visually, is the film again. Um, we did this to kind of, I think, atone because there was a slightly disrespectful attitude to the to the movie. So we, we are like, both, so we're we're both in uh, the you know, like we're in the middle of a festival in which we're both performing. Tim's opened his show this week. It's going well. Yeah. I'm happy to hear. I've heard it's very funny. I heard la- I've heard from multiple sources that last night people were uh, beside themselves with laughter. Oh, that's great! That's the like, goal. Li- literally, it? could not be laughing harder at certain moments during the show. It's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, that's the most uh, you could hope for. Really, that is all. As a comedian, pretty much, yeah. Would you care to share why? Oh, why people were laughing so hard last why night? Why would anyone laugh so hard? There's a segment in the show, because it's a chat show. It's not a normal stand-up comedy show, because I couldn't be bothered writing another one this year. So it's a chat show, and there's a segment where we, we play a game where the stakes are my co-host, uh, Disaster Radio, and I are wearing electric shock collars that you train dogs with. And the person who had the buzzer last night to trigger it off was a highly inebriated 64 year old woman who was having the time of her life just shocking me over and over and over and over and over again on the highest setting on the highest setting it was nuts yeah and uh did you feel any ill effects either in the moment immediately afterwards or this morning in the moment absolutely yes <laughs> because if you get those like shock collars, if they buzz you, how it, many volts of electricity is that sending through? I, yeah, you? I'm not sure. You don't even know. It's not the volts that gets you; it's the amps. It's the amps that'll kill you. I always remember my dad saying that. It's not the volts that'll kill you; it's the amps. <laughs> really? The amps yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what was he talking about when you were like if, ramming you know, forks into yeah, sockets? Totally. Well, you know, my dad's a very handy man, and so. By osmosis, when you're surrounded by smart people like that, you pick up the odd little. That's like the one thing I remember. You don't pick up the actual value. You just pick up enough information to feel like you could be intelligent. My dad's a legend. Let me tell you a little brief story about him. And I reckon he might be listening. Mum listens to the podcast. So, Mum, pass pass on to Dad that I've brought this story up. 
I might get it slightly wrong, but when he was 14, he essentially drew the plans for his grandparents' house to build. That they followed? Yeah, like the blueprint for the house. That's incredible. Yeah. And then, and then he became a qualified draftsman to do it properly. There's some bridge in Christchurch that he designed that's still there. I, he, I he is a, a man of many talents. Yeah, hugely. He's a sensation. Yeah. Wow, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> this, Guy Montgomery. This is what I do. And what does he think of that? It's hard to say, isn't it? Does he admire it? Oh, no, I don't think does so. Does he admire your ingenue? Uh, he actually does, and he has said that before, because my dad, in, a, in his previous job, had to do quite a bit of public speaking, because he was sort of a, he was a boss of people, <laughs> not animals. And uh, so you got to do talks and stuff, and he hates it. He hates public speaking. He's not into it. And he's, it's always kind of, I think, amused him that, um, particularly me and my sister, we get into it. Did his uh, distaste for public speaking uh, last the entire job or did his sort of nerves or uh, what he didn't like about it, did that lessen? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. and It's easy to forget when it's your livelihood how much people hate public speaking. It's a fear literally higher ranked than death if you ask people. I know. It's a famous uh, Seinfeld joke. Is it? Yeah, he says, so at a funeral... People would rather be in the casket than delivering the, <laughs> the, the eulogy. eulogy. Yeah, isn't it just? Um, it shows you how flawed my, we are, like how we do not make sense. My uh, my father is uh, he's so anxious about public speaking, he can't watch me public speak. Is that right? He does, but he can't enjoy any of it. Oh, uh, that really surprises me because I imagine, like, I could totally see Stephen really knocking a, uh, a speech out of the park. Yeah, time. yeah. He's, he's got very good comic timing. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's So he'd be great if, you, if you're watching someone do a speech, he'd be a great guy to be sitting next to. Gotcha. What, does he he'd get be, too well, he wouldn't empathetic, be, though? Does he, like, feel uh, for the person on stage? Oh, if he's personally invested, like, you know. If it's you and you're yeah. bombing, do but I? If, it's, if, it's you, if we're at an event and we don't know or care about the speaker and you're yeah. sitting next to Stephen Montgomery... He's going to be, he's, he's tagging. He's giving you oh, all yeah? the asides. Yeah. Love it. Director's commentary. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, enough talk about. <laughs> hey, speaking of di- director's commentaries, I actually, I'm kind of bummed that we had to start the movie separately this morning because I was going to treat us to the director's commentary. Oh. Because that fantastic audience member at the Melbourne Live Show gave us the DVD. I know. And this- I sampled a tiny little 30 seconds of the director's commentary. And Mattress Pikelet King sounds like a fucking psycho. <laughs> and it's damn. just him. For an, uh, two hours and a half. As far as I could tell from the little snippet I heard. That's an exciting prospect. You ever heard the Dircom from old school? No. It's so good. <laughs> what do they do? It's a big goof. The whole thing's a big goof, but it's really great. It's great. I love that. So I got a text with an image on it. I really wanted to see what it is. Oh, okay. Fair enough. We haven't been respecting the podcast much this morning. Why start now? Well, do you know what? what? We've been respecting ourselves and yeah. we've been respecting each other. Yeah. And I feel like we've earned this. <laughs> I mean, we watched the movie. Yeah. The movie's the reason that we're in our current state and position and having this conversation in the first place. Is that not respecting the podcast? I like, I like what you're saying about us respecting ourselves because there is a total element of self-care that this morning has been about i think it's like yes we are here to do the work but also watch meatloaf and see if it can sync up yeah, like yeah. a bat out of hell to the wedding scene and 
Well, you went on a big... Do you know, when... So, Tim suggested Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell as a potential match for parts of the movie. And he wasn't wrong. And as soon as you said Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell, I thought to myself, I bet you Tim's going to go on a rant about how Meatloaf <laughs> is underrated. And, <laughs> and before, before I could finish the thought in my inner monologue, Tim was saying, you know what? Meatloaf doesn't get his because... <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking true, man. If you listen to Meatloaf records now like god damn it they're so good and what's your favourite thing about Meatloaf it's fucking name dude <laughs> he picked that he could have picked anything and he went with Meatloaf and that's probably quite a hacky I'm sure there's so many comedians from the 90s who've got premise, premises about that but fuck it's too good call yeah, yourself yeah. Meatloaf well, the th- yeah it's too good to the point that the fact he chose to do that is yeah. better than any joke even the Absolutely. best joke that someone could write about it Absolutely. he already knows it's the alpha move when you go into a new school and you don't want to be put upon, so you identify your weaknesses. Uh, I'm fat, so yeah. okay, yeah, <laughs> you weird kid. <laughs> He's awesome, though. I've read a little bit about him, and um, I think he tried to get into opera, but they wouldn't have him because he's too sort of like unorthodox. So he's got this phenomenal range and everything, and he obviously loves that kind of glam rock approach and married it with with his love of opera and that's how you get me meatloaf is a fucking genre he's one of those dudes who's like how much he is a subgenre of rock to see meatloaf in concert uh not a lot now because he was in new zealand and it didn't go so well two three years ago what happened he collapsed on stage oh no but yeah he was on like an oxygen tank afterwards oh yeah does he not look after himself <laughs> i don't think meatloaf does look after himself dude I could be wrong, though. How good was he in Fight Club? This movie... I don't think Meatloaf looks after himself as a funny <laughs> sentence. Uh, hey, it's kind of... It, we don't usually have the movie going in the background while we're... Should we comment on what's happening a little bit? Oh, not necessarily. Okay. Harry's going to get jilted. <laughs> it goes on was, and on. Do you know, I was so amped for the scene before this one, which we were watching separately. It's before you turned up. It was so funny, you guys. Guy turned up, so I get a knock at the door, and I've got Bluetooth heads, head, uh, headphones in, and I've got a fucking phone glued to my head, like at Sex in the City. I open the door, guy's got Bluetooth headphones on, holding a laptop with <laughs> Sex in the City playing. What is this shit? I, yeah, I, I had to get a Zoomie here, which is the locally New Zealand-owned uh, rideshare app. How was it? It was great. I love it. I use it all the time. But the, the driver, I said, I'm so sorry, man. I have to do this for work. And he looked at me and smiled. He said, busy morning? And I said, not really. <laughs> He's a sweet guy. Raj. Oh, wait. You you apologized to him? Yeah. Saying, very rude to climb into someone's car while you're watching a movie with oh, headphones on. Oh, I see. I, so, okay, gotcha. You're holding the laptop. Yeah, right. And he was fine with it. Yeah, he was a good guy. That's cool, man. The majority of rideshare drivers I've had are. Yeah. What's they're, happening now? They're good, uh, they're good people. Oh, thank God. It's either no music or all music, but not some music and then stop. That's too much. What I was going to say is that the scene before all of this, when everyone's very excited about the wedding, I fucking relished that today because I was like, you dumb fucks don't know what's coming around the corner. Well, actually, I'd like to talk about that scene as well because uh, we've sort of, I think we've danced around it. Samantha does a toast. And speaking of public speaking, I think... She's pretty confident. She's, you know, she believes in virtually... I don't know if she believes in everything she says, the character Samantha, but she sells everything she says as though it's the funniest possible thing to say in that moment. 
and she delivers this speech. And the way she punctuates her tag for Big, which is a man who finally got carried away. I want to know from you, how long has she been sitting on that line? Because she telegraphs the shit out of it. It's like she cannot wait to get to it. And I don't know if it occurred to her mid-flow and she thought, oh, this is going to wrap everything up. No, years, dude. Not even minutes or anything, like years. I reckon maybe two years. She's been waiting for a big event. She didn't know it was going to be the wedding necessarily. Maybe it would be... I don't. I think they actually they agreed they're not going to have babies, eh? Uh, big and Carrie. We don't see that conversation. It's in the second movie. They reference it. Yeah, but we don't see the... You know, the yeah. Yeah. But we know that information with our familiarity. In a, rare, in a rare move by Sex in the City, we don't both see the decision and then watch the aftermath of the decision <laughs> in conversation. At a cafe. Yeah. Or people... Will, Ram croissants into Fuck. their mouth. It, I've been looking at their food. These dames do not know how to order a goddamn brunch. It kills you, eh? Yeah, I go out to cafe. I like going to the cafe. Yeah, I study the menu. I know what I want. Yeah, not a comment about the food. And I will tell you why. It used to get me. I used to think it was bad movie making. It's true to the characters. These, they've, they've got bland palates. They don't know what to look for on a menu. Yeah, it's just you know they're, they're always ordering. Fuck, I don't know. I would. There's a lot of kind of bready things, I think. Well, yeah, and a lot of like real shitty side salads, you know, bit of mescaline, bit of dressing, some grated carrot. As soon as you put grated carrot in a side salad, mm. I mean, you know, two fucking cherry tomatoes that expired three days ago. Yeah, that's the side salad, and then they've got like a grilled panini, ham, cheese, tomato, all B to C grade, a and they're sitting there. in the states. No, they're an Italian food. I don't know that they made it to... I don't know that the Americans? any Italian culture made it to America. Right, right. But, so you think you think Samantha's been sitting on that for a while? Two years. And then it finally got carried away. Do you think her business is going well? Yes. All the trappings there that it is. Hey, you know what um, What I thought this watch as well? How's, how's this for an uh, unbalanced relationship? Smith Garrett... On their fifth anniversary, buys Samantha a $55,000 diamond ring she specifically wanted, and she got him a blowjob. An unwanted... Uh, she, got, she didn't even get <laughs> it. Yeah. He didn't even want. He returned the gift. Yeah. That's um. That's never a good sign in a relationship, is it? Was that when you... Well, the, like, if one... You know, there needs to be balance. Balance is the... The key, the key to any healthy relationship. But it, it doesn't need to be uniform because uh, no, we we at, at the flat actually recently we were having a conversation about the different uh, love languages, and some people were gift givers, and other people they have other ways of expressing their yeah. their love. My love language, French. <laughs> nice one. What do you think of Big this watch? What do you think about Big? No good. I reckon he's actually been on the tips. We don't see him drinking. Oh, we do. We see him with a glass of red and a little whiskey. He's drinking alone as well. But that um, scene in New Year's, which is uh, a, look, I drink alone from time to time. We've all got to. But I reckon the guy's been. It's when you. It's when you're nipping in private and secret. Yeah. Nip away in private. Sure. Hiding a sixer in the cistern above the toilet. The guy's no good. He's been on the bash, and that's why he hasn't been able to uh, drive himself for the last decade. Absolutely, that's a that's a smart play, actually. If you got, um, man, that's pretty cool. If you got rich enough, you could just be sozzled all the time because you've got a driver. Yeah, it rules. Well, does it? 
No, Alcoholism it actually doesn't. Tears people apart. It's a bad That's the thing. biggest no exception. That's why his nerves are fried. Clear Put on a bit of, yeah, Debussy. Love it. Just thought we could use a vibe change. Yeah, Just fair enough. Intense. Yeah, no, that's good, actually. It's quite good. I always think of that scene from um, Ocean's Eleven when I hear this, because they use it at the end, the water fountain scene. After a big success. After a big success. It's quite. It's bittersweet, though. It's a bittersweet moment because, uh, you know, there's this ragtag bunch of criminals who have sort of grown a friendship. Found a sense of other. community amongst one another. They realise they can all never see each other again. they got to bail. And bail for good or else they'll get found out. I'm going to take their money and run. Heartbreaking stuff. Mm. But then there's two more movies, so quickly undercut. As heartbreaking as Carrie being jilted at the altar by Mr. Big? Sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? These women do not listen to each other when they talk. <laughs> These women do not listen to each other when they talk. They only want to talk about themselves. They only want to talk about themselves. When others are speaking, they think about themselves because they suck. They suck. They suck. So much. (laughs) They shouldn't be allowed to (laughs) play this movie in cinemas or TVs or computer screens. I'm losing my mind. I'm losing it fine. I'm losing it in time. Ho! How are you, man? And we're back in the room. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of a shining light, and it might have been that song you just sung. I got but one. Technically, that's not in the movie. Yeah, go on. At the start of the movie, they're trying when they're playing Pink Floyd's "Breathe." They're, <laughs> they're trying to when es- you are playing Pink Floyd. They're trying to Breathe. establish that Carrie is a a writer. That was hectic, okay. and a writer that's good enough to survive on mm-hmm. writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see a shot of her air keyboard furiously typing away and we are to believe that she's penning you know some insightful you know article for vogue or cosmopolitan or maybe even the times the new yorker just you know something that fulfills the brief that she's given herself as a, a sexual anthropologist she's smiling she's typing and we see the words that are coming up on her screen and as always whenever she's writing it's a very it, what she's writing is Samantha Charlotte and Miranda <laughs> and you, they look at her face like I'm crushing it and then the voiceover yeah. afterwards is like three year, many years and three books later I'm still where I was and I'm like you're like I don't know man that's the narration where she refers to her friends as meal tickets yeah but it's a horrible way to look at the people in your life. I want a copy of Manhattan on my desk by 9 a.m. this morning. And I want to know who the Spider-Man is. <laughs> I need those pictures, Peter. Um, Manhattan is a real book, right? Written by the woman whose name I forget who created this whole crazy franchise in novel form. Candace Bushnell. Fuck, you're good. Mm. I, I uh, prefer her sequel, Manhattan. Hmm. I take back what I said about you being good. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> this is fun. It's all about We're men railing against various pieces of pop culture. 
I really like Samantha's outfit when she goes to Mexico. It's, it's Did you know cool. that Joe DiMaggio hates the Mona Lisa? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's all in Manhattan. It's public figures railing against pop culture. Okay, give me another. Uh, <laughs> do you know the fucking Ben Stiller? Yeah. Yeah, he can't stand palm trees. Are you saying palm trees? <laughs> yeah, man. Were you aware that Jerry Springer detests democracy? Yeah. Hates the stuff. He's been on the record with that. Hates it. A bunch. Hey, I love you. What do you think about Steve Bush seeing me at this point? Having watched Sex in the City, the movie, 41 times, what do you think about Steve Buscemi now? I miss the fucker. Yes, I do. <laughs> Bring him back. What I would He's give such a fine actor. To see him, imagine this, Steve Buscemi wandering around, background, background of frame, yeah. slightly out of focus. Jar of mayo in each finger. Yeah. <laughs> or, wait, reverse what I said. Just, a finger just of- like stumbling into huge pratfalls, physical obstacles, like just absolute old style slapdash comedy. Everyone else is in colour, rich colour. Yeah. Steve Buscemi, <laughs> black and white. And if you listen very carefully, you can hear... The crank of like that old style sort of physical comedy silent film Those music pianos. playing, yeah, yeah, old school piano, yeah, like a honky tonk piano maybe, perhaps. I reckon he could carry this this role that you've imagined for him. Um, he's an actor known for his physicality, of course, famously. For, for example, in the franchise Grown Ups, Not where all- he uh, gets his arms trapped in a Jesus like position. You know it, I know it. We all know. It. Oh, actually, Jesus didn't do the touchdown. <laughs> Jesus was a different thing. He did the crucifix. That was his big move, wasn't it? Yeah, famously. Buscemi is big for the touchdown. Jesus, big for the cross. What's Meatloaf big for? He's big for bats. Yes, he loves the things. He absolutely loves them. There's a bit coming up in the movie um, that is just playing in the background where Samantha feeds Carrie. And it's like, I think it's a real room splitter, that one. Because I've never not enjoyed that moment. And I don't think Guy has ever enjoyed it. No, Guy, no, no, it's all, hold on. <laughs> I don't know how clearly you all at home can hear that, but it is the peanut butter jelly time song. What's the problem? There's no problem here, officer. <laughs> Thank you. Everything is very much on the level. You can't go to silence, though. That's the other thing. The okay. floor is lava, and also silence is the floor. Oh, shit. So let's uh, let's get off it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to fix it for you right now, my friend. Thank you very much. I'm so looking forward to seeing what you pick. Um. Oh, do you know what? Okay. Tell you what's happened here. Go ahead. This song, this piece of music, which is a very famous classical piece, is used in a very pivotal moment in Short Circuit 2, where Johnny Five looks at himself in a mirror and realises he's grotesque and broken and not a person. Fucks me up every time, man. Is that what you're thinking of right now? Absolutely. Would you rather... I felt that in the pit of my stomach. Would you rather go night. on a tramp and stay in one of the dock conservation huts? Those are the sort of sleep outs. If you go on a multi-day trek, mm-hmm. you can, um, you, you, you know, so you, you share these public spaces with people sometimes. Would you... Would you rather walk in there and see... What's that character's name? Johnny Five. Johnny Five. Mm-hmm. Share the room with him for two nights. Or Samantha Jones. Share the room with her for one night. I'm um, Johnny Five. Would you rather... Speak- I, I, there wasn't me like 
taking a long time to decide. It was me deciphering what the words meant. Yeah. And it's absolute, like, it's Johnny Five in a heartbeat with a bullet. Would you rather see Samantha Jones or Miranda Hobbs? I'm going to need more detail on the situation. Are we in any... Two nights. Two nights. Shared food, shared drink. Any, any... They lean on you. Is there any peril? No peril, but they are panicked. Yep. And you, it's your responsibility for whatever reason. Samantha. Across 48 consecutive hours, you're taking care of this person. Samantha. They're taking care of you. It's going to be more fun. They're, now, okay, yeah, I think we'll be able to boy each other. B-O-U-Y. Now they're taking care of you. Like a, maybe I've injured my leg. You, yeah. My meniscal Ho- tears flared up again. Miranda by. Hobbs or Samantha Jones? Who's your nurse? Uh, Miranda, of course. Samantha feeds Carrie yogurt. Yes, she does, which is um, beautiful intent and a heart full of goodness, but I need a strong head on stronger shoulders right now. Charlotte cannot open her chocolate puddings. Yes, she can. What do you mean? What's happened? Do you mean in the movie? Or do you mean this is hypothetical? I mean in the movie. Oh, no, it's real. Look at her. What do you mean she can't open them? She's, like, for a grown-up, who's probably familiar with eating these puddings, she has them all the time. Yeah. Oh, she's bad at it. It is an absolute battle. Look at her. Oh, yeah, she does struggle, doesn't she? It's about 15 seconds worth of struggling to get that lid off. You've got to treat it as a lever. Give me a lever large enough and I will move the world. Have you got any questions for me? Yeah, I do. The first one, and there's five. Okay. So prepare yourself. I'm ready. Is, is are you having a good time? Started off having a good time. Probably reduced to neutral now because I'm confused. I understand. Um, my second question is, where did the palm trees thing come from? Some part of my brain that was panicking. There's nothing... Nothing recent that sort of like. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're talking about the Ben Stiller palm tree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That came from reading Candace Bushnell's Men Hating, a list of powerful, uh, well known men railing against various different parts of popular culture. Yeah. There's a whole whole chapter on Ben Stiller's disdain for palm trees. What is it that he hates about them? Is it the fact that people like keep planting them where they shouldn't be? You know, just because they're aesthetically pleasing, but they're not. They're supposed to be on tropical islands, not in the middle of a roundabout in Los Angeles. He doesn't understand them. He doesn't get what they're all doing. Is that what? What are they doing up there? What are they doing? What, I can't live in that. What's it doing up there? It's too tall. There's not enough branches. What on is this it? Tree. It's not a building. It's, like it's a not big, a bush. Big thick blade of grass. What is it? It's somewhere in between. It's yucky. My um, man. My third question is thusly. What do you think of Sex in the City right now? What do you think of it? It makes me feel... bad about myself. It makes me feel bad about the decisions I've made. It makes me feel anxious. Are you being honest right now, or are you leaning on answers you've previously given to this question? I want you to look inside yourself, and I want you to clear away any memory. No, of it does. Answers. I told Chelsea this morning when I was watching it. She said, "How are you feeling?" I said, "This is making me anxious." It was making me anxious to watch it, to have to still get ready, leave the house, come around here. Uh, when I saw you and we started riffing and laughing, it made me feel good. But that's not Sex in the City. That's a concern. I guess we don't have long to go now. 
Not on this mortal has, coil. Has the Seinfeld theme sort of lessened the blow, though? Surely that's put you in a good spot. It's impossible it's, to feel sad hearing that slap bass. It's made me feel a little bit better. That's good. Oh, oh. Here's my fourth question. I think that's what we're up to. Um, if you could pick your birthday, what day would you choose? 29th of September, 1988. That's your actual birthday. I'm the perfect age. Okay. Me and Kevin Durant. Feel bad for the guy. Kevin Durant is the exact same age as you. Yeah. Same height. Really? Same net worth. Same basketball team. Same height. Hold on. Hold the phone. Hold everything. I'm seven Hold foot tall. Hold my calls. Um, and my final question for you is, like, just close your eyes for a second. What is your, literally your perfect day? Where are you? Who are you with? What are you doing? I'm with beautiful Chelsea. Nice. I wake up uh, at about 9.15 a.m. It's warm. It's about 23 degrees Celsius outside. The perfect temperature. Yeah. The window is slightly open. There's a very gentle breeze blowing across the bed. I... uh, I pull the curtains. It's already quite light in the room, but I pull the curtains. It becomes lighter, and I'm look. I'm seeing some beach. I'm seeing some ocean. I'm seeing absolutely no obligations, and I'm seeing uh, uh, two chairs and a table, both that recline quite far back, but also can sit upright. The legs, are, the legs are at ninety degrees, at forty-five degrees, ninety degrees. They're not like flat. They're yeah, not lie-down lounges. Yeah, yeah, I got it. And there's uh, two books and a backgammon board and a, a chili bin full of different fruits and drinks. <laughs> and I'm in my togs. And my togs are cool. <laughs> What's on the togs? Uh, they're exactly the color of my skin. And nothing else, no prints or anything. It just looks no. like you're naked with a mound for, yeah, a, for a genitals. Like a Ken doll. And the whole day is people walking by and... Uh, trying to figure out if I'm wearing togs or not. It's the perfect amount of gag. <laughs> Man, I don't know. That's great. That's such a beautiful scene. Apples or oranges? Apples. I can't compare Crispy, the two though. myself. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, brother. We're fucking way off track, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you put the music on. Um, no, that's good. Well, thus concludes my five questions for Guy Montgomery. And now... Uh, you have two questions that you get to ask me. Okay. Uh, if, if if you had to watch, uh, if you had to only watch one TV show, all all our TV ceases to exist, you only get one TV show for the rest of your life, what would you choose? Fresh Prince has popped up real early in my head, but I don't think I want to land on it. Ah, uh, shh. Well, okay, this thing about this logically, you probably want to pick something with the most episodes possible, right? So at the very least, you don't have to keep running through. So I'm going to pick Shortland Street. New Zealand soap Shortland Street. Yeah, there's uh, almost 6,800 episodes of it. Fascinating choice. So and You get you could get really invested. Of course, and you would. If Each episode is half an hour. It's 24 minutes technically, but half is easy to do the math on. So that's... Uh, like 3,200 hours, mm. 3,400 hours mm. of watch. And mm. how many days is that? It's like 
24 is that 100 days like 120 days i think i might be off but my point is you don't have to really repeat anything you are eventually going to have to repeat something. It's the rest of your life. Do you, are you forced to watch TV? Or Not, is it like, if you're watching TV, this is what's on? Uh, there are no books. There's no music or anything. Whoa. Okay. Bit different. <laughs> this is this is culture. So, like, it's your life as it is now, and you only get one show. I don't like you talking about this while there's no music on because it makes me feel like we accidentally travelled there or willed this into existence and it doesn't sit right with me. You please put meatloaf on? Yeah, you no do worries. me a favour, put some meatloaf on? Uh, TV show... Um, in my heart of hearts, it would probably be some sort of docu-series. You know? I like non-fiction. Dirty Jobs. <laughs> It'd be dirty jobs. Great answer. Yeah. Would you rather be a dolphin or a bird? Dolphin. For would you, sure. Would you rather be able to fly or become invisible? Fly. Would you rather be, and this? I need you to pay attention to what I'm asking you here, would you rather be Carrie Bradshaw or Miranda Hobbs? Carrie Bradshaw explain and discuss she lacks enough self-awareness for it to be a problem how much she's she sucks to her she's just confused by the fact that some people don't like her I'm fun see you next time everybody I'm calling it I'm so sorry we just have a good rhythm together, you know. I, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out, and uh, we go for it.